Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today.
abnormal. It looks abnormal. <laughs> but Jesus was normal. And all he wants for you, he just wants you to be normal. Look at somebody near you and just say, just be normal. <laughs> just be a normal Christian. And I don't know about you, but I... I I saw Pastor Gideon up here, and he was just becoming more normal, more and more. And uh, being able to love, being able to receive love and give love away is the normal thing to do. And this world needs to meet some normal Christians. (laughs) It might not be the Christian you grew up around, but... So that's okay because you're becoming normal. You guys okay? All right, you have made it to the last session of this particular event. Congratulations. And uh, we've been going on a little bit of a journey. So those who haven't been for all of it, you may want to access the website or something to see because uh, it's, it's, um, it's challenging to revisit everything and move on. And so uh, we, we've kind of been unpacking Matthew chapter 10, if you want to go there for a moment. While you're turning there or scrolling there, whatever that looks like for you, I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for your heart that burns inside of these people. I ask for your power to be present even more tonight. For your kingdom to come. For your will to be done in New Zealand as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that God has such an excitement in his heart. You know, he loves the lost more than we do. Jesus told a parable about the... Good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. So if you want to be where the shepherd's at, go after the one. If you want to be where Jesus is, go where the lost are. Because he really likes them a lot. And uh, he wants to do life with you. He wants you to rob hell. And so I hope you've been capturing some of that along the way. As we've been unpacking this a little bit, we talked some about receiving love. We're not performers, we're lovers. And we're not trying to convince people to give their life to Jesus. We're just providing an environment that's really hard for people to not believe in him. (laughs) And that we have good news. It's not ours. It only matters because it's true. There's a difference between the gospel of the kingdom and self-help programs. People are trying to convince themselves of something nice because they think it'll help them have a better life. But it's not really based on anything. It's based on hope and a wish and trying to convince themselves of it. When I tell you that you're worth dying for, it's because somebody did. It's based in truth. When I say you're not an accident or a mistake, you're God's dream come true, it's because you are. When you live from truth, then you can have your life anchored in something that's not wishful thinking. And I don't want to believe something just because I think it's nice. I want to believe something because it's true. And Jesus is true. Right? So we've been kind of exploring love. So we we can properly represent love. We need to experience love. (laughs) It's hard to, you know, you don't want somebody to offer you something that they don't have themselves. Even though we're not salesmen, that you know, the Bible makes analogies about things. And in those analogies, the complete picture isn't there, of course, but it, it gives a snapshot of truth in it with the analogies. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like over and over and over again, because not one analogy could perfectly capture what the kingdom is about. So he told many of those. And the, so when I say this analogy about a salesman, it's not because we are. It just is a good help to understand that you wouldn't want to buy something from someone if they don't know if it actually works or not. If they don't like it, if they've never used it, 
you don't actually have an authority to give it away, to sell it, to offer it to someone. And I don't know about you, if we're supposed to represent love, then we need to make sure that we have it. <laughs> that we know that we're loved so we can see other people the way God sees them and love them with his love. So we explored that a little bit, explored the message that we're called to bring, and we've uh, explored the need for power. The gospel and power go together. It's not a separate message, it's together. If you want to learn more about evangelism, if you're, you've been following along with them some, I recommend uh, prayerfully considering our evangelism intensive. It's an online course you can do right in your own home. And uh, you can look at that at releasinglife.org. Check that out. But for tonight, as we wrap this session up, the, the, the seminar together, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to pray for people tonight. It's going to be fun. But in Matthew chapter 10, there's something else that's highlighted. We've highlighted love, and we've, hi- and we've highlighted power. But there's something here I want to just point out. And that is in verse 5, he tells them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And tells them what to say, tells them to, to cast out demons, to heal people. Freely you've received, freely give. And he, he gives them instructions. To keep reading there, he gives them some more instructions of how to conduct themselves within the environment that they're going into. And Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, it says to conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders. Everybody say wisdom. It says making the most of every opportunity. We don't just need love. We don't just need power. We need wisdom. You can foolishly love someone. You can have the best intentions, but it comes across the wrong way. And if you don't have wisdom in your power, you can accidentally cause more damage than help. And so we need wisdom in how to bring the good news that we have to people that make sense to them. You know, the, the, there's this idea that people have out there, and I don't know if it's here, but people quote this scripture, and it says that the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish what it's sent to do. And they quote this as if what our assignment is is just to get the word into people. And so if you just do that, then you've done enough. And so what we've done from that is people make picket signs, and it says, you know, they hold up signs, and it's got a scripture verse on it. And normally the scripture verse is not God loves you. Normally it's something about going to hell, and God's angry, God hates sinners, and whatever kind of thing that they want to put on there. It's typically that. If you go to them, why are you doing this? Because i got to get the word in. The word will not return void. Okay. That's wrong. Wait a minute, doesn't it say in the Bible? I mean, let me clarify this for you because Jesus, who is the Word, made flesh, told a parable. And he said, There a sower went out to sow seed. And he scattered seed on four different soils. He scattered the Word. He, he gave us the definition. He said, The seed is the Word. There was one of those soils that produced lasting fruit. So one-fourth in his story produced lasting fruit. The same word, different soils. In those different soils, it did not produce its potential. The word had a potential for every environment, but because the environment wasn't receptive to it, it didn't produce what was possible. The word that produced, that, that accomplished what it was sent to do, that we quote about, that was actually about Jesus. He finished what he was sent to do. And so just to say all I've got to do is quote the word to somebody is, is misunderstanding what the Bible is actually teaching. We have a part in the development of the soil and receptivity of the community around us. And part of our invitation is to work into that soil the nutrients and the breaking up of whatever is going on so that when the word is planted... It goes into good soil and can produce lasting fruit. 
what we need in order to have good soil is we need wisdom. Isn't that what a farmer needs for, to toil? The, that with the, working with the soil, they need to understand the environment that they're in. There was some people that were trying to plant and it wasn't turning out good, so they had to research how to do their, their soil so they can better take care of it. If you approach every possible soil and treat every soil the same way, then it won't work the same way in every environment. If you understand soils, they have to be treated different ways in order to actually produce fruit. The farmer needs wisdom. And I'm, I'm telling you today that it's partly the church's responsibility, not fully, but it's part of our responsibility to, to, to work in the soil of our community so that as the word comes in, it's received and can grow. So that's why he says you don't, you, or he said, he said in, in Colossians 4, 5 that we need wisdom with outsiders. It's really, really important for us to understand. And he gave them instructions. He gave them wisdom. This is what I want you to do. And so I want to do that with you tonight. And I'm going to teach you through a story, uh, through a testimony, uh, because it's going to teach you how to pray for people for healing at the same time I'm teaching you about how to have wisdom. Because what, what we need to do is is when it comes to wisdom, we need to look at being meaningful to people. Everybody say meaningful. If you understand that, you'll grasp a lot of what wisdom is all about. Meaningful and creative are huge keys in having wisdom in a community. You can do things that have never been done somewhere else. Maybe something will just work here. The Holy Spirit's really creative. I mean, look at the person next to you. He's really creative. And sometimes we make the mistake as, as people of God to wait for an idea to come to us through somebody else. Doesn't mean that we can't learn from other people. But I don't want to tell you everything to do. Because I don't want to limit what God can do here through the ideas that I present to you. I want you to grab concepts that give a platform for God to build on. I want you to hear from God for you guys. I want you to do things that aren't done anywhere else. I want you to seek the heart of God. What does it look like to love this community? What's it look like to put Jesus on display to make him famous here? And go for that. Do that. Take some of the stuff understanding. You take the core of it and say, God, we present this to you. What do you want to do here? When you're walking in wisdom, what you're looking for, you're looking for connecting points. You're looking for a way to start engagement, especially in lifestyle evangelism. So I talked some about, about prophecy. How do you get started with that? You, you look for ways to start connecting with somebody. And one of those ways I told you about was becoming a student. So you actively pursue, hey, I've been learning this thing. Could I try it out on you? It's a connecting point with somebody. If somebody, I've made it a practice that if somebody gives me a compliment out in public, I prophesy to them. I purposely have purchased different kinds of clothing along the way that I know people will see because if they go, hey, those are nice shoes. Thanks for that compliment. It's really nice. And you know what? I'm going to give you a compliment back. Sometimes Jesus shows me things he likes about people. Boom. We're right there in a prophetic, prophetic word right there. That's all you got to do. How do you make the connecting point? Look for that. Pay attention to what's around you and look for how you can love the person in front of you. How can you lift their heart? How can you, maybe you're the first nice Christian they've ever met. Maybe it's not about getting them to pray a prayer per se. Maybe it's about them knowing that Christians actually care about them. Maybe it's about that. I don't know. It's not about a formula. I'm not trying to give you step by step. Say this, do this, do this, do this. And then take out the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to give you some concepts that you can walk with the Holy Spirit. The number one thing you need is a relationship with Him. And give you some concepts to help you get started. But those are not to replace Him. Right? And so we want to know the Holy Spirit for ourselves. And I want to... What I want to do today when we're speaking about wisdom, I want you to understand it's packaged within, uh, wisdom is packaged within permission. What Jesus did here is he sent them out. And he said, as you go, say this. There's two things that's happening there. He's showing that purposely going out in teams 
is biblical. And he's also showing that as you go is biblical. Some people emphasize one or the other. I'm telling you that we should do things as groups. We should do things as churches that are together. And we should also do things individual. We also live. Just lifestyle as you live, you're loving the people around you. Both of them are good. You actually spur yourself on further to a lifestyle of evangelism by doing it with other people. And you can do things as a group of people that you can't do alone. But you don't replace doing things alone with doing things as a group. It's not one or the other. It's both. Okay? So we should be doing things as a group. We should be sent out together on purpose. And we should minister to people as we go. I'm not focusing a lot on doing things as a group in this environment. I'm more training on you, training uh, on how to do lifestyle as you go type of ministry. But I want you to know that both matter and they're good. And we need to be doing both, okay? And so he gave them permission. He permissioned to do things as they went. He gave them permission to go. And he gave them permission within the, the, the context of wisdom came with permission. This is what you have permission to do. And some of us need to know what we have permission to do. Because we've read things and maybe heard things. Maybe we've read John chapter 5 where Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And some of our application of that has actually been an excuse not to minister to someone. We say things like, I didn't feel led. Or we try to seek God. God, give me a sign. If I see that person three times, then I know you want me to talk to them. This kind of stuff. We're, we're looking for permission and we're like, well, you know, what I want to suggest to you is that we don't need permission to love the person in front of us because we already have it. He already said go. I want you to have permission and then wisdom comes out of that. You need to know I already have permission to love the person in front of me. Now, God loves you whether you do or not. You're not a performer. And this is a balance of some people turn evangelism into a Christian discipline instead of a Christian expression of love. We turn it in, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm supposed to do this all the time. And we turn it into this weight on our shoulders when Jesus said that what I've invited you to do is light and easy, actually. He said, they're not heavy burdens to, to weigh you down. But when you're transformed, when you become a lover, then evangelism becomes an expression of your love instead of something that you're trying to do for God. You're just enjoying life with him. Does that mean every single time you do it, you're going to be like, oh, I'm just so in love? No, that's not what I mean. But I'm saying there's this intimacy, there's a real relationship with God, and it's much easier to do evangelism from that place than just, I'm supposed to go out once a week. Really what I want to do is I want to remove the evangelism, I want to remove the outreach button, like just put it on, on. like if you, you think about a light. I want to turn the light on for evangelism and break it. Because then anywhere at any time, God can show up. If we make it into something that we're performing for God, then many times we turn it off because, man, I need to take a break from that. And so every Thursday night we go out. And then Friday we miss opportunities because we turn the light off. It's about something that we're performing instead of who we are. I want to break that off. Just turn the light on and break it off. Anytime, anywhere, any place, when Jesus showed up, you never know what was going to happen. Because he wasn't controlled by the fear of man. And he loved the person in front of us. Now he's in you. So anytime, any place, wherever you go, there's no telling what's going to happen. You might just be going to get some milk and all heaven breaks out. You never know. You never know. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, guys. And so I worked at a jewelry store some time back and became a diamondologist. It was a fun place to work. Uh, the Lord really blessed it. Saw a lot of miracles happen in there. I want to tell you about one. Because I want you to know that you have permission. And I want you to also know how you can, we've talked about how to prophesy. I want you to know how you can pray for the sick. Then I want to pray for everybody here for a, a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so in this, 
in the store, I had, there was a guy that walked, was in a mall, and a guy walked, back, walked by who was limping, so he's, but really bad, like severely limping. And I wasn't talking to anybody at the moment, so I went over to him and I said, hey, what happened? And he was a, uh, the manager of a store uh, across the aisle from us. And uh, he said he stepped on a nail that went through his shoe and through his foot. He had it wrapped in bandages. But he said, I'm the manager of the store. I couldn't find anybody else to come in, so I have to come in. I was like, man, that doesn't sound fun. Okay, so I'm going to teach you as I go along here. Easy connecting point is something that's obviously wrong. This is deep. If you're driving by, somebody has a flat tire and you have the ability to help, then you don't get out, if you pull over to go and help them, you don't get out of your car and go, hey, it's nice weather today. That didn't make any sense. You walk up to them and say, hey, what happened? Can I help you out? It makes sense to talk about what the problem is. So it makes sense. It's logical. It's an easy connecting point to talk to people who have a physical problem that's obvious. And so I asked him what happened. You can go to anybody anywhere and say, so you got a, a cast or you're walking with crutches. What happened? And uh, you can make jokes about it. Hey, you know, if they hurt, they have something on their foot, did you kick somebody too hard? Well, you know, whatever, whatever your personality is, you can do that. But the, the basic connecting point is the physical problem. So I asked him and he told me the story. Then there's a point of compassion at that moment. Oh, man, I'm really sorry that happened. That doesn't sound fun. Now, they don't know you have the answer, so they're not expecting it. But you know you do. Because Jesus sent them. When Jesus sent them out, he was sending you out. Why do I know that? Because the end of Matthew, chapter 28, what we call the Great Commission, he said, now you go out and do this and tell everybody else to observe what I told you to do. So because he sent them out, he sent you out. Now, in that context, when we're reading it, he sent them specifically to the Israelites because things I covered earlier. Okay, I'm not going to go back into that here. But now he's sending, go out into all the world and preach the good news with signs and wonders following. Why? Because that's what he told them to do. Now, you have that permission to go out and minister to anybody, anywhere, at any time. And then you have other times where God tells you specific people to go to. If you don't minister to somebody who walks by you, you're not going to hell. If you feel like ministering to somebody and God didn't tell you specifically to, that's okay. Because you already have permission. This guy came walking by and I hadn't had a dream the night before where God said, this is what's going to happen. I didn't have an angel show up. I didn't have goosebumps, any leading. I didn't feel a specific thing. I just saw the guy walking by. The Bible says in a few places, Jesus saw somebody. Like there's a woman who's bent over for 18 years. The, go and read that story. It says when Jesus saw her, he stopped his sermon and talked to her and ministered to her. What do you see? Pay attention. If you see something, you have permission for it. If you move on in your day and you don't, the pay is the same. God loves you all the time. You're not a performer. All right? And so I saw him, and I had the connecting point. That's your easy connecting point. I'm going to teach you how to pray for the sick in public. This is not where you carried around oil and you poured over them and pray in tongues and dance around them for a little bit. Make sure you got a catcher behind them. You know, all this kind of stuff. We're doing some of, some of the church services. This is out at the mall. And so here's, here's I'm talking about wisdom. Permission, you already have permission, but that, the wisdom comes, you have permission and out of permission comes wisdom. Okay? From this place, I knew that the environment I was in in that moment wouldn't be the best spot for that. And so this is what I asked him. I said, I'm going to go on a break in a little bit. And this sounds really crazy, but sometimes when I pray for people, they get better. Letting that sit for a second. I'm giving you what to say. How can I pray for somebody? I just told you. I took the pressure off of you. I did not say you go to them and say, now watch this. If that's your personality, go for it. I'm trying to make it entry level. Anybody, anywhere can do that. But if that's your, if that's your, what, what you're comfortable with, please be you. But don't be super weird. But, you know, 
So you can take the pressure off. You're not coming as a professional, right? You're just coming as someone who cares about people. And so I said, this might sound crazy. That's your transitional sentence right there. That's how you're going in. You're, go, you're bringing them into a context they're not expecting. It's not in their worldview to know they could be healed in just a moment. And so it's weird. Let's be honest about it. So I had a connecting point. Then I had a moment of wisdom. It's not good to do it here at this spot. What could be? Maybe outside of here, right? And so I had that moment, and then I came to him with the weird suggestion, which is really normal. He just doesn't know it yet. And so I said to him, this might sound crazy, but sometimes when I pray for people, they get better. And said, so I would like to pray for you if that's okay, but here's thing is I'm going to be going on break in just a minute. Could, could I come over to your business and, and just say a quick prayer for you, maybe in your office or something like that? And he said, sure, wouldn't hurt. Most of the people that say no are Christians. It's true. And because uh, they've been taught to be suspicious. So I guess that's okay. They're already going to heaven. But why not be healed on the way there? Anyway. So he said, yeah, sure. So that's your interaction with somebody. You can do that anywhere, anytime. You go up to that person just the way that I did. Sorry, what happened? You have your connecting point. You're looking for a logical reason to start having an interaction with someone. If you had to have a word of knowledge, which means that God shows you something that they need to be healed of that's not apparent, your connecting point, I believe, is to come as a student and say, excuse me, I'm trying to learn some things in this course I'm taking, and this might sound completely random, and I don't know if I'm right, but do you happen to have a pain right here and point to it or say it, whatever it is, Okay. That one, you got to step out a little more in terms of not having a direct connecting point. But you can make one a connecting point by leaning on the idea that you've got training in it and come as a student driver that I talked about earlier, okay? So that's how you do a word of knowledge in public. Many times words of knowledge are done in churches from a platform. And uh, I was at a, at a grocery store walking by, and when I, I walked by one aisle, I got a pain in a certain spot in my back, and I stopped. Because when I walked by the aisle, it went away. And so I backed up. And then it came back. And I kept walking, and it went away. And I was like, hmm, maybe that's a word of knowledge. Because you know, not everything you feel is your own feeling. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Maybe the fear that you felt isn't yours. Maybe it's the enemy looking for agreement and is hoping you'll think it's your feeling. The Bible says that Jesus was moved by compassion. It also says that he only did what he saw the Father doing, which means the feeling of compassion he had was him seeing what the Father was doing. So you can pay attention to what you feel because sometimes it's communication from the spirit realm. It's God talking to you. So I had a pain. It wasn't mine. And so I walked up to the lady and had an interaction, got to pray with her. My point is I, you, you can have gifts of the spirit. They're not just for platform ministry. It's for life anywhere you go. Some of them takes a little more risk to step out to, like a word of knowledge. But most of the time, our ministry is going to be, and she did have a pain, prayed for her, she got healed, it was awesome. But the, for, for this circumstance, you're, there are people that have personalities that make encounters happen. They'll go in public and make some kind of thing that draws attention to themselves. That's your personality, God bless you. Do it. Do, do you, all right? But many people are like, when they think about evangelism, they think that's the only way to do it. They think it's, or it's walking up with people with tracks or trying to start conversations with random people completely, and it's about doing an outreach. So I go out, and I'm supposed to do this, and my goal is to get people to pray. How many people here got somebody saved tonight? And if they didn't, then they feel like a failure. It's a, it's a performance thing, okay? If you want to do lifestyle evangelism, what you're really doing is looking for connecting points for meaningful experiences. Prophecy is a fun way to get started. Has anybody told you anything amazing about yourself today? Easy way to get started. When do you do it? When you feel like it. 
because you want to, because God tells you to. When you see somebody's had a bad day, you fill in the blank. When do you do it? Just do it. Just go for it. All right? You have permission. And I already talked about prophecy. I won't go back into that. So we went over to his office, and we met in this back room somewhere, and this is what I did with him. Now, this is, this is in public. He's not a Christian. He doesn't know assume the position. He doesn't know the phrase laying on of hands. He doesn't know any of that stuff. It's not his background, all right? Some of you might not know that here. I don't know your backgrounds. So you want to make sure that you remember where you're at when you're ministering to people. So we're back there, and this is what you do with someone. You, you ask permission, and you tell them things you're going to do before you do it. If you just put your hand on somebody who's not expecting it, you might get hit depending on their personality. Okay? And so here's what I did with him. I said, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder, and I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I want to ask you to try it out and see if you feel any different, if you're comfortable with that. So I told him that, and then I asked, is that okay? Man, this is really simple. We've made this thing so complicated. Oh, it's so scary. Well, maybe it's not. So when I, I, he said, yeah, sure. So I put my hand on his shoulder. You don't have to touch somebody for them to get healed. It's not a requirement. I think the laying on of hands is about being personal. God doesn't need us to lay hands on somebody for them to heal them. But it makes, uh, there's something about personal touch that God, I don't think, wants to take away. He wants us to have that personal touch with people. And that's part of why we touch people. We pray for them. Uh, I've prayed for people without touching. I had people say, no, I'm not comfortable with it. That's totally fine. I was praying for a lady. And at one time, we were looking at safes. Asked her if I could put my hand on her and pray for her. She said, no. And I said, that's all right. How about you keep looking at the safe you're looking at? And I'll put a safe between us. I'll go to this one, and I'll pray for you. And I'll do it at a normal talking level. People walking by won't even know I'm praying for you. And she's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> she was filled with faith and excitement. <laughs> so I went over there. She just kept, she ignored me, looked at it. She was actually really looking at safes. And uh, I prayed for her there. And... Then I was like, all right, how do you feel? And then all of a sudden she turned to me and said, what did you do to me? She had this thing where some imbalance that if she turned her, if she turned her head, she would fall. And she felt the presence of God over her. And she turned and looked and nothing happened. She was completely normal. And she was turning her head. And I was like, that's Jesus. That was awesome. So I'm saying that you don't have to touch somebody in order for them to get healed. Okay. But it is still good to do because the Bible tells us to. There's that personal touch that comes with it. So, but you want to ask before you do it, in my opinion. Not everybody's that personality and you'll see things where people don't. I'm telling you what I think because I have the microphone. I think that's what I think. All right. So I did that and here's I prayed for him. And when I prayed for him, it was under 30 seconds. Okay. Sometimes we pray a really long time because we're in doubt. And we're trying to get ourselves in the faith. You, and we pray, we quote all the scriptures that we know and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But that's actually not the model in scripture. When Jesus prayed for people, he spoke to them or their condition. And then they were supposed to do something. Go wash your eyes out, pick up your mat, whatever it was. There was like an act of faith that came with it. Many times the act of faith I call people to is to try it out. And actually, many people get healed while they're trying it out. There's actually that act of faith, that act of calling them to do something gets them into the connection of healing. Okay? And so a short prayer is just fine. And you, don't, you, you can keep it really simple. Most of the prayers that we see modeled in Scripture are commanding prayers. Now, I don't know your background. Many, many people will pray for healing. They're asking, God, please, I pray for your your will, and ask you to come and heal this person if you want to. Okay, there's, there's petition prayer or asking prayer is not evil. We just don't see it modeled in Scripture a lot. So if we want to keep this biblical, 
which is probably a good idea, is this, we see that model not just in Jesus, but in his disciples as well. And we see it in the book of Acts along the way. The kind of prayers that we see for healing most of the time are commanding prayer. So here's how you do a commanding prayer. I prayed for him, put my hand on him. He had a hurt foot. And I said, in Jesus' name, I kept my eyes open. I spoke in a normal voice. I didn't go into a preacher voice. I didn't start speaking in King James. These are, all, these are important teaching points. You don't, have to, you don't have to close your eyes and start praying in tongues and go into some weird voice where you disappear somewhere and somebody different shows up. It doesn't make you... It doesn't make you have more power if you're more loud. And so what you can do is real quick commanding prayer. This is what I did. I said, Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. In Jesus' name, I command the pain in this foot to leave. I waited for like a heartbeat. Took my hand off of him. And I said, all right. Let's try it out and tell me if you feel any better. If you're like on a scale of 1 to 10, is it down to an 8 to feel the same? What do you think? People are used to going to doctors, and so they're used to giving people numbers. Scale of 1 to 10, give, they do that stuff all the time. And so, again, I'm looking for wisdom of how I can connect something that's outside of their context to them in a meaningful way. I didn't know, You don't know if you came to a, a practical teaching night, did you? But here you are. So... He, he, he tested it out, started putting some pressure on it a little bit. And then he said, what the beepity beep? <laughs> I loved it. It was so funny. You never know what lost people are going to say. You know, if you give them a wrong prophetic word, they'll tell you. Christians try to make you feel better. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe if I turn my head this way and think about it over here, it could possibly be right. A lost person would be like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you really want to learn how to prophesy on a side note here, then do it to kids. They'll be honest with you. And if you can say something meaningful to a child where they get it, you can say something to anybody. Anybody who wants to grow in prophetic ministry or street, wants to grow in evangelism needs to spend time in children's ministry. It's true. You can minister to them. You can minister to anybody. All right, anyway, the, so he started cussing. I started laughing. It was so funny. And, uh, you know, I, I've had Christians, I, I was getting ready to, to speak in a men's meeting, <laughs> and people were giving testimonies, and this guy stood up, bless his heart. He was, he was genuine, and I love it, uh, but it was awful. So he stood up to give a testimony, and he was like, guys, I love evangelism. I want you to know that, and, uh, you know, I don't let anybody around me say cuss words because that's evil. And they know my standard. And he goes on and gives us his testimony is about telling people not to cuss around him. That's how he shines. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm up next. It was funny. But anyway, I'm really big on letting Jesus clean the inside of the cup. If you really want to win people, you want to see people coming into this church that don't know Jesus and, all, and people that are coming in that are new to Christ, you're going to have messiness. People are going to come in with weird theologies, weird backgrounds. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to, to clean spiritual diapers? Because it gets messy. You, you may not remember, but you were a mess too. There are people that have to clean your spiritual diapers along the way. Maybe some of them are still are. I don't know. But anyway, if you want to have... <laughs> don't look at the person next to you if you want to be ready then you're going to know they're coming and they're bringing their mess with them right and so you make sure you know what you're asking for God we want the lost are you sure fat people get up and they instead of shouting amen they shout a cuss word they don't know they're like excited I love it I don't know what's going to happen you start ministering to lost people it's, it's fun so he started, anyway, I said, what happened? I said, is it down to like an eight? What do you think? And he said, no, it's down to like a six. I was like, that's awesome. And he's like, going to say, thanks for coming. You know, I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Can I pray for you one more time? It'll be really fast. Again, it's outside of his context. He doesn't know. He thought that's the best he could get. I said, what if, what if I prayed for you again and you were completely well? 
He's like, all right. So I prayed for him again. It, the way I prayed before worked, so I did the same way. How many times do you pray for people? You could stop when they're healed. That's a good indication. <laughs> and this is one of these areas where we make up goofy stuff with Jesus prayed for somebody two times, so the max we can pray for somebody is two times. No, if Jesus prayed for somebody two times, you can pray a million. Like, let's don't put a number on it. The real thing is you can pray for them with honor, which means pay attention to how they're interacting. If they seem like they're done and they're not completely healed on the spot, then don't force it. Okay, if they are okay with receiving more prayer and they still need healing, then keep going for it. All right, that's it's simple. I know somebody prayed for somebody 15 times out on a sidewalk, carpal tunnel in her hands, a lot of pain. 14 times, nothing happened, zero. But she kept saying yes. So he kept praying for her. Really short, simple, commanding prayers. 15th time, something snapped. All of a sudden, all the pain left and she had full mobility. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Try to keep it really simple. God is good and the devil is bad. God, Jesus said, I came to give life and that abundantly. So if that's what's happening, it's probably him. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. If that's happening, it's probably him. If there is something else going on, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> I like to assume that Jesus wants everybody healed and let him deal with it. I would rather err on the, on the side of believing than assume that God doesn't want to. There's many people when it comes to the area of healing, they assume God doesn't want to the first. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unusual for him to do something. Yeah. Okay? Let's err on the side of praying for people. Let's err on the side of believing that God wants to do something. Okay? He's big enough to handle that. So he said, yeah, I could pray for him again. I did the same thing. Prayed for him the same way because it worked. And so he tried it out again, started hopping up and down and said, what the beepity beep did you do to me? Is this some kind of like mind trick? And I said, what? What happened? What's going on? He said, he's jumping up, he kept jumping up and down. He said, I have absolutely no pain in my foot at all. What is this? <laughs> here's, your other, here's your other lesson. Okay, I've taught you how to pray quick, how to do it with your eyes open. Now, I taught you to follow up with somebody, ask them how they're doing, test it out. Is it scale of one to 10? Has it gone down to an eight? Okay, I want you to, I hope you're catching what I'm teaching you with that, Okay. Then the next thing here with this is you're, you interact with them based off of how they're interacting. If they want to walk off, some people get scared and they run. That's okay. Some people don't want to talk. Some people do. It doesn't, it's not your job to control the situation. Your job is to feel like how are they interacting with me and then interact with them back where they're at, Okay. I believe that's real evangelism. Jesus interacted with people. He answered questions because they asked him. Okay? Now, what happened with him is he had no, he didn't have a church background. He didn't know what was going on. And so he asked me, what did you do to me? He thought I did a mind trick and I like somehow like, I don't know, what he, like I did some kind of like waving my hand over him and he got, you know, hypnotized or something. I don't know what he was thinking. But, and I said, no, that's not a mind trick. I said, that's Jesus. He's just touching you because he's crazy in love with you. Tell him who did it. It's really good to do that. Now, what's funny about, <laughs> funny about this to me is I've told you before, I don't think it's, our, it's not our assignment to make people get saved. And there's a funny story in the Bible about this. In Acts chapter 3, you have a guy who was born lame. And, and uh, they, he, Peter and John are going to pray. And you know why they prayed for this guy? Because he called out to them. He wanted some money. Hey, can you give me some money? That's why they prayed for him. They were on their way to a prayer meeting. This guy was interrupting them on their way to a prayer meeting. 
They were so focused on the prayer meeting that when the guy who was born lame got up, they walked off. Isn't it interesting? It does not say they preached the gospel to him and say, now you need to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't say that at all. The guy, they help him up. He's up, he's up and down, cheering, excited. And they, well, we got to get to the prayer meeting. How important is a prayer meeting to you guys? Just saying. So they take off to the prayer meeting. The guy follows them, totally excited, and jumping up and down, screaming, causes a scene. And then because other people came, the scene the guy was causing to receive ministry, they came over. And so because they asked what was going on, they preached the gospel to those people. But if the guy would not have caused the scene, then they wouldn't have preached the gospel. They were off to a prayer meeting. They were just loving the person in front of them. That was all they were doing. They said, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. They knew they had something to give. And he said, silver and gold, I my wallet at home, but what I do have, I give to you. They knew they had received something. It didn't say God told them to do it. They didn't have an angelic encounter. They were just off to a prayer meeting. The guy said, have some money. He looked at them. They saw them. It says they saw him. They looked at him. He said, look at us. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Quick prayer. Had him try it out. Then, this is a point I'm going to. Then they let that guy decide what happened next. It's important for us that it's not our job to make a scene. Not everybody will agree with me on this, but in, in general, they'll make this into a law, but when I was praying for this guy, I wasn't like, yeah, hey, everybody, come over here, look at this. They didn't do that with this guy when they picked him up. They just kept going to their prayer meeting. That guy jumped up and down and got really excited, caused a scene. Sometimes we need to make sure that we don't embarrass people. And we can be excited about something and accidentally embarrass people. I've done it before, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, i got to watch out. My, my job is what does it look like to love this person? And so I let that person decide how excited the moment is. Now, I might get excited with them and go, man, that's amazing. Can you see what happened? That's incredible. And then they get more excited. I can't believe this is so awesome. You can get excited with them. Does that make sense? And so that you have them try it out. You respond to them based off the way that they're responding to you. You don't have a lot of evangelism. I, bet, I, I would be surprised if anybody here has gone to any evangelism training where they said, pray for somebody and walk off. I haven't been the one that told you that, but it's right there in your Bible, Acts chapter 3. Pray for somebody. Don't be late for your prayer meeting. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm getting a little uneasy here. We're talking about prayer meetings. All right. Then I asked him, you know, he got healed. And I told him, it was Jesus. He's crazy in love with you. And I said, has anybody ever told you that God has a plan for your life? This Jesus that healed you. He said, no. I said, this Jesus that healed you created you on purpose. And he has a plan for you. See, my goal is transformation. My goal is to get him in connection with Jesus who can transform him into who he was created to be. And so I need to bring him to Jesus. Let him know this is Jesus who did this and he has a plan for your life. His plan involves a relationship with him and learning and growing. So this, with those in mind, this is the things I said to him. And I said, he has a purpose for your life. And he said, no one had ever told him that. I asked him that. Asking questions is a good way to interact with people. So then you can, you can interact with them based off of where they're at instead of coming to them with a speech. Sometimes our evangelism method is a card. Then we go down the card and just say to them whatever's on the card, no matter what they say. So we're not actually listening to them. We're just going through a formula. I'm giving you something a little messier where you actually have to listen to the person and listen to the Holy Spirit. Sorry. Not sorry. So he said, no one had told him that. And I said, he's got a plan for your life. And how it begins is by you asking Jesus to be in charge of your life. 
That's how you start the journey of entering into the reason you were made, is asking him to be in charge. Sometimes I make this analogy. I didn't do it with him, but for a purpose, for training purposes, I've at times told other people, so this is a bad analogy because Jesus doesn't want to be your boss. But if I wanted a job somewhere, I would need to be hired there before I work there. In the same way, if God has a plan for your life, the way to start it is to come under his leadership. You need to have him in charge. Okay? And I said, do you, he has a purpose for your life. This is how it happens. And I said, do you want Jesus to be in charge of your life so you can start the journey for the reason you were made? And he said, yeah. I said, awesome. This God who just healed you is crazy about you. And I said that uh, what you want to do is you want to talk to God. I'm going to help you talk to him this time to get things right with him and start that journey that you were made for. And so I prayed with him to confess Jesus as Lord, to ask God to forgive him for any sins that he's committed, and to give him his life, his past, present, and future. So I invited Jesus to be in charge and transform his life. Then I went and got, later I got one of my books and gave it to him so he can start on a journey on that as well. Because we're, we're invited to create disciples, not just converts. And so it's not evil to invite people to your church. You know, there are people that think that. They actually think lifestyle evangelism means you have strings attached if you're inviting people to church, and I don't agree with it. I think that it's we're, because we're building a family, people belong in a fellowship. And so it's good to invite them to your local church. If it's good enough for you to go to, it should be good enough for them. And if you, it doesn't mean that if you're in a place, I minister to people in travel places. I'm not always in a place where I can get them directly connected with the church. Some people, they're so focused on making disciples that they shut off the evangelism button in their life because of that. That's not good either. You have Philip when minister to a guy who was a eunuch, minister to a eunuch, and then the Holy Spirit took him away. That wasn't his fault. That was the Holy Spirit's fault, right? He came out of the water, boom. Where'd he go? So the Holy Spirit was comfortable with Philip not doing personal discipleship. Sometimes we need to trust the Holy Spirit with people. So it's not an excuse anyway, either way. But if you're in a place where you can get them connected with the local church, invite them to yours, then do. But don't let that deter you from loving the person in front of you. 